What a what a wonderful scripture. Yes. Uh, we've been doing a series on, on revelations and end times, and we're going to continue with that again. But keep your finger, will you, or your bookmark in that uh, Psalm 37. And then flip over to um, Revelation 3. We're going to look at the church of Laodicea. And um, you might be asking yourself, what uh, does Psalms 37 have to do with the church in Laodicea? And the, the answer is, uh, there's not a lot. Um, however, the crossover is, uh, if, you, if we look at uh, the church in Laodicea, which we'll read that in a few minutes, it really is, uh, in my mind, it's a, it is a, uh, a picture of the Western church it did apply to the church in Laodicea. There's a lot of similarities between Laodicea and the Western church. Uh, whereas uh, Psalm 37 is really about uh, what is our approach uh, when we're feeling uh, persecuted? What is our approach when we see apparently evil thriving around us? And uh, you do not have to be... a uh, you don't have to have a lot of understanding to realise that there are major cultural shifts in, in our Western society. And we used to call ourselves a, a Christian society, uh, a Christian nation. I'm not sure what that means, but it, there still is over half of the people that believe in the Christian God and would call themselves Christians. But we know from what's going on around us that that, that has been a big shift the last few decades. These last couple of years since COVID... A lot of what's happening uh, is actually nothing new. And uh, so uh, I know we're starting to notice it a lot more because it's us that are being locked up, forced to do things, put on masks and, and uh, all those sorts of things. But that tendency was there all along. And so we are moving from a church which is really dominant in society to a persecuted church. I had did have lunch with a pastor on... On, um, during the week, and one of the questions came up was, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-tribulation raptures. You know, we got the head around that. Uh, you know, I'm pan-trib. Uh, that pan-trib means it's all going to pan out in the end. And um, and if you, but it, let me tell you, if you think the church is going to miss persecution, you're mistaken because the church is in persecution at the moment, and we are just a little bit off. You know, try telling the church in China, try telling the church in the Middle East yeah. that they're going to miss the persecution. I'm sorry, they're not. It's there. Yeah. And so Psalm 37 talks, speaks of some of our uh, attitude that we need to have a godly attitude. And I'm going to do today, and I did a little bit last week, I spoke pretty heavy on, on prophecy because the, to the churches in Revelation, it was a big warning about people who call themselves prophets and go around in the end times. I'm going to clarify that a little bit. I'm going to do a bit of admonishing, which is a word that most pastors dislike, but it's a word I've struggled with in Colossians. It says, teach and admonish. And admonish means to bring like gentle correction. All right? And uh, done totally in love. And it's not at anyone in particular. If I've got an issue... With you, Jamie, I'll come and see you, and I won't bring it up in a sermon, okay? Unless it's an illustration about fishing, okay? So I remember Pastor Margaret Court said to us once years ago, she said, do not, do not make references to people or local church issues 
in your sermon. Actually, don't base your sermon on that. So it's something we purpose to do. But while you've got Psalm, uh, Psalm 37, so Psalm 37 uh, is a psalm about what our attitude needs to be when we see evil happening. When you look at this, you can see Jesus in this. What was he? his attitude when uh, the Romans who were um, an unjust government around him. And you can see his, his, his love life and his love walk and his trust life and his trust walk in this. And we need to look at this and we need to, guys, have a close look at ourselves because this is a great spiritual barometer. Hello? Yeah. All right? And it is the word of God, so don't get mad at me. Please. This is, I need to measure myself. Right? So it's, it's a list of things that it says to do there, and I've written some of them out because just when I was studying it out there, the first one, it says, don't get agitated by evildoers. That means don't get hot under the collar. Don't get worked up. Is that what it says? Yes, it does. All right. You know, sometimes we're going to talk about convictions in a minute. Sometimes Paul, the Apostle Paul says, this is from God. Now, this is my opinion. This is from God. Yeah. All right. Don't get hot under the cover. That means don't let them dictate your faith walk and your love walk. All right. Because it needs to be separate from the circumstances and situations. Our source of agitation needs to be the Holy Spirit. Not evildoers. And it goes on to say, they will ever quickly. Uh, and then, uh, it, it, then down verse 18, it says, Refrain, pull back from anger, give up your rage, and give up your agitation. <laughs> All right. Who, who can plead guilty? <laughs> yeah. All right. Because that means let it go, step back, Step aside. Yeah. Right? The scripture says the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Yeah. Right? Does that mean we, we don't do anything about injustice? No, it does not mean that fact. But what it means, it does not, it's not, doesn't unsettle you spiritually in your heart. It's not your motivation for action. It actually says, let it go. That word refrain means let it go, guys. Just let it go. Let it go. Right, we'll talk more in a minute. Like that's the basic spiritual. And then it gives us things to do. Like it says, uh, trust in the Lord. Do what is good. That means follow your conscience. Trust in the Lord. Follow your conscience. Dwell in the land and live securely. Live safely in the land. Do you know the children of Israel called into, uh, and pulled out by, was it Nebuchadnezzar or whatever, into uh, Captivity. The Bible says to them, prosper in the land and work for the prosperity of the people who are pressing you. Hello. Work for the prosperity of the city. What is love? What did Jesus say? He said, love those who persecute you. Now, I, I would expect more people to be jumping up and down and go, Oh, glory! No, but that's, that's what it says. That's our attitude under persecution. Yeah. All right? 
Now, and then it goes on to say, wait on the Lord, be silent, wait on the Lord expectantly for him, right? Refrain from anger, give up rage. And then it goes, humble yourself. I'm going to refer to another scripture in a minute. Be humble and you'll inherit the land. Now it's talking about our inheritance. This land is our land. This land is my land. This land is your land. Now, and it's our land, and it will be. And Jesus is coming back. We will rule and reign on earth. That's our inheritance. We're going to inherit it. We're going to inherit it, but we're not going to inherit it through our strife and our anger and our vitriol. And we're not, that's not how we're going to inherit it. You understand that? Yeah. All right. Now, I'm going to flip just, just with me now. Just turn over. This actually wasn't part of the sermon again, but I feel led here, so this is for free. Okay, you don't have to come and take some of your tithes back because we didn't pay for this. Now, turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Because it says, live in the land and do good. What does the Bible call as doing good? Of course, we've got the commandments. We've got clear and explicit things. But then it says, uh, whatever is uh, not of faith is sin. So whatever is in accordance with your belief, godly beliefs to do that, that is a good work in the New Testament. All right? Okay. So it's interesting here because in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, they were confronted with a situation where there was very strong convictions and different opinions about things God and about what's happening around them. So this was to do with eating meat. Now, unless we've got any vegans or whatever here, um, and I'd just like to got a word for you, the Lord delivers us out of them all. <laughs> all right, now... But uh, there are people with very strong convictions and sincerely held convictions that actually, oh, I should not have made that joke. I apologize. All right? Because they're very sincerely held convictions about that. But here there's some very, some very sincerely held convictions. The reason I'm touching on this, this is an admonition, is we've had a bit of churn in the church the last couple of months. People have left the church over this sort of issue. That is not scriptural. All right? Because... Uh, we are to walk in love to each other and this is a matter of conviction and the Bible explicitly says what to do when it's a matter of conviction, right? In other words, even in this instance, in 1 Corinthians 8, there was scriptural indication, but they didn't hold that scriptural indication, one side of, one side of it, but it was still their conviction. And so the Holy Spirit said to the Apostle Paul, when you're with them, you honour their conviction. All right? We honour their conviction. Because actually to follow the voice of your conscience is one of the most fundamental things as a Christian faith. Once you start not following the voice of your conscience, it gets hardened towards God. You stop hearing God. All right? So in this instance, he says, uh, just look at um, verse 7. I hope this is the right one. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, it's got food offering to idols, beginning of uh, chapter 8. He says, Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge, knowledge passes up, but love builds up. In other words, we have a certain uh, revelation. He was talking about something that was scriptural, but knowledge will puff up, knowledge will puff up. Love builds up. Love edifies the other person. Then he says this, if anyone thinks he knows anything, and that means, is anyone sure and fully convinced about something, let me tell you, you don't know. 
And we have, uh, you know, I've got strong opinions. You've got strong opinions. If you think you know it all, the Holy Spirit says you can be sure you don't. You can be sure you don't. You do not. We do not know the picture of what's the full picture of what's going on in the world at the moment. We don't know. If you think you do, you don't. Is that not what that says? If anyone thinks they've got full knowledge of something, just rest assured. Then he talks about then following your convictions. That food sacrifice to idols. He says in verse 9, Be careful that this right, even if you are right, be careful that it does not cause others to stumble. Alright? And that's my admonition. Alright? Because, obviously, you know, with this whole thing that's going down, that COVID, my, I believe it's going to blow over. Who's believing with me? Yeah. A few yeah. months yeah. until you. Yeah. I remember some medical experts from South Africa said this whole Omnicron thing. He said that's the vaccination that we couldn't afford and probably was safer <laughs> than some to take. But obviously, you know, we travel to the states, so you know what my conviction is. And and, and uh, to be honest with you, I have spent many many hours uh, researching. Uh, and my conviction was I would prefer not to have taken the vaccination. That's always been for all my life. And, you know, it's just as a default. You know, we felt very uncomfortable. Remember when the kids had to get things to, you know, but having said that, some vaccines have saved off a lot of things, polio, all those sorts of things. But what it is, guys, it's not in the scriptures. Linda said to me a few weeks ago, it's not in the scripture, therefore it's a conviction. I'm not going to preach on it because it's not in the scripture. I've got news for you guys. I'm a minister of the word. Yes. Who would rather have that? Yes. All right. Thank you. Okay. And so, but I will just give you a little window into my conviction. When we came back from the States, you know, when we were chatting with um, Cam and Tarina had a lovely, hey, visit Cam and Tarina. They make a good cup of coffee. I'm telling you. (laughs) It's good. And, uh, but, uh, you know, when we came back from the States, I, I felt that we had gone into a military regime here. It was ridiculous. And obviously, uh, we're vaccinated. And uh, can I just say this too, before we go on that, sometimes things are right for some people and not for other people. Yeah. All right? You know, if you knew, if I told you, all right, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's just because I vote for the Greens doesn't mean... That you to despise me or or hate me? Who knows? Who knows? There's probably here. Don't put your head up, people who voting for the Greens. But think of it this way: it may be God's will for some people to vote for the Greens and some to vote for that. I did. I share with Cam and Trina on abortion. I would probably vote for the Greens if they were the only party that uh, were anti-abortion, because that's you know, you know, that's to me one of those things. But you imagine a political system where 90% of the vote was going to one party, all right? And the corruption that would come into that system, so it may well be God's will. You know, I don't know. You pray about who you're going to vote for. It may well be God's will for it to be 49, 51, and just wait to, to try and keep them honest, at least they're once every three years to sort of go try and be accountable to us, all right? So that may be, all right? And I'm not going to exclude you from this 
church if you vote for the Liberals, all right? I'm not going to excuse you from this. You're welcome here. And design, you know, we, we, we had uh, our morning's tea, our men's morning tea. We had a wonderful time, ladies' morning tea. And someone pointed out to it, listen, people who aren't vaccinated won't be able to sit down there. Now, please forgive us because, because, you know, and so we moved it to places where it could be because we are church for people that have a whole range of convictions, we hold to the Word of God. Yes, that's right. right. We hold to the Word of God. And even then, there's a lot of scope for grace in that. So there's some fundamentals. All right, you're hearing me. All right, now this is important because in the end times, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And we are to walk in love. All right? We are to walk in love. Now, coming off the plane, we were lined up, weren't we? It's like, man, this is like there's a military coup has happened. And I, I have to tell you, I started to resent it. I've done everything you've asked me to do, guys. My nose had taken off a restraining order on me. Because I had nine uh, COVID tests in like the four or five weeks leading up to it. And it was chaos getting back into the country. I just thought, I don't know what, I'm a citizen. What are you talking about? I had one rule for the States, one for Australia, one for Fiji, one for Queensland. We literally, to get it, we literally had to check in and then apply for the Queensland rule because in in there, <laughs> you had to have it done within two days, not, not 48 hours, but two days, you know, and so... Who knows there's an international dateline? You miss a whole day. You know, we literally had to check in and fill in this form. You know, and I got there and it started to rile me up. You know, started to rile me up. I wrote letters and I've written more letters in the last two years. I wrote letters to uh, five or six uh, ministers of the stupidity and the injustice of this. People who've done everything you asked to do, which I think was unjust anyway. All right, and then. And then we're in lockdown. People who got off the plane the same time as we did, I'm telling you, it's rapid. You get angsty, you get anxious, you know. The same time as I did, but went to Sydney and, and to Melbourne, but then hopped on a plane and came back, would travel around, and Linda and I were in lockdown. Do not get angry. Do not get <laughs> So I wrote them all. You know, so, now, listen, I have said, I have said, when it comes to things and speak to my, my job, my calling, I used to be a pastor. I came that Sunday. Linda didn't. And I had to tell you I broke the law. Just come. <laughs> Alright? And I told you. We if we're quite a venue, we were open for the preaching of the gospel. Because that it to me is black and white. It's black and white. Alright? I did, I wrote I wrote this quite detailedly my of all the reasons I sent out to all these journalists and that one journalist contacted me back and said and wrote an article based on my email and it was in five or six national newspapers uh, lead article uh, that, that the following Monday and uh, that was the article uh, he asked me to check it he said is this is this actually factually viable checked and said yes within a few days of actually sending it out the, I think the, the Queensland government was embarrassed uh, into changing that policy. Now, you know, that's not, that was me. You know, I know there's other things happening to other people here who are walking according to their convictions. But we're not to get agitated with what we do, what we, what we can do uh, within the laws, within reason, as long as it doesn't go against uh, 
clear scriptural mandates. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. All right? So, and we've had people leave, like I said, because they're not happy because we haven't come out anti-vax enough. I'm sorry. Alright? I just try to, I'm a minister of the word. Alright? And I do what I can within the laws of the government to protest what is a very unjust situation. But having said that, guys, it is going to get worse. It is going to get worse. Alright? And the press is really ganged up against all Christian. You know, this, this. Christian school in Brisbane that puts out a Christian policy and it gets harassed, the, 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 the uh, principal's had to resign. Well, he resigned. Uh, and that's crazy. But it's not new. See, it's not new to, to the whole COVID vaccine situation. That was over transgender situation. It's not about the science. It's about an unscriptural, unbiblical worldview. That's what it's about. Yeah. That's what it's about. And changing the definition of male, female, and the, the family relationship is that Satan is behind it. All right, you can call it a conspiracy if you like, but there's a spirit behind it that will bring it to pass. But it didn't happen there. It just started that, you know, the whole marriage thing. And then you go back, there's the whole evolution thing. And there's the whole, you know, like I'm happy to talk the science, but you can't talk the science of evolution in a public space. All right? So I'm saying that to say this. Our job is not to be enraged by it. It's to walk in love, to trust the Lord and follow our convictions and walk in love to each other because your conscience is important as my conscience. Is that not true? All right? You can say amen to that. Okay? And do you know what? You're not right. I'm not right. He's right. And as soon as we think we know it all, that's when the Bible says... You surely don't. Right? And understand this. This is free as well. I've told these guys to start the communion at 10 past, no matter what I'm saying. <laughs> All right? All right? This is, you know, prophecy. You know, some, some of the turmoil has been because people have had, uh, people who have now left and we believe that they're going to be loved back in the fellowship is because they got words for this and words for that, you know? Uh, we went through last week and I showed different scripture how the New Testament prophecy, different Old Testament prophecy, it's not primarily for uh, revelation. In fact, um, study this out in your own time, but I'll give you the reference. 1 Corinthians 14, where the Holy Spirit compares tongues and interpretations with prophecy. Those of you Bible scholars, you're familiar with that? with that scripture? And it says tongues and interpretation is like prophecy, but it says... Uh, what good is tongues, tongues if you don't apply to it? And then it lists um, three things from memory. One, first one is revelation. Uh, and it's uh, uh, apocalypse. So that's the revealing of things that aren't known. So the Holy Spirit separates that from pure tongues interpretation and pure prophecy. Do you hear me? You read it. What Corinthians 14? Parallels, prophecy, and, and uh, tongues interpretation. It says, but how will they know unless they get uh, apocalyptics and then they get, uh, I think it's teaching. One sort of teaching is didactic teaching, like line upon line teaching. So, so prophecy is not line upon line teaching from the Bible. 
alright? And then it says knowledge, just good common knowledge, alright? And prophecy. So it lets, so those four things that tongues isn't. So prophecy is listed in there as being something apart from line upon line teaching, but um, but also apart from uh, apocalyptic, pure revelation. All right. So, so, but there is elements of revelation. In fact, the book of Revelation is called prophecy. All right. So I. I studied it very thoroughly. My conviction is really that the, the, the kind of typical prophecy in the New Testament is where, you know, we might be in a home group and someone has a word and says, Listen, I think this scripture applies to us, right? And I think, and that's really a, a relevant word for the time. Because the scripture also says in, in, in Romans 12, verse 6, the one who prophesies prophesies from their faith. So what you believe, your beliefs formed in the word of God should frame. Alright? What you're sharing to inspire people that's outside of the Word of God, that's not New Testament prophecy. Alright? So be careful. This is a couple of books in the Bible says, be careful in Revelation to the churches of people that come around saying, I've got this prophetic word. It gets you all wound up and they're trying to none of us trying to control your life. Alright? And, and and a lot of it is ego, guys. I hate to say it, but who's got an ego? Pastors have egos, people have egos. Alright? And so it's all to be measured by the scripture. If it's not in line with scripture, alright, you take it with a grain of salt. That's interesting. And if it's personal guidance for you, you first really should have that witness in you that this is what you to do, because that's the primary way that we're led. Alright, don't get someone come and say you get to go and marry so and so and so and so. Unless it's coming, you had that word for her, that's right. That's, Alright? No, sorry. Alright, alright, so let's flip now, that's your introduction. I got 13 minutes for communion starts being served. I've put a time limit on this. I really could go for a few hours. We're going to read about the book uh, uh, in Revelation 3 to the church in, in um, Laodicea. And if you look at it, you'll see this sounds a lot like the Western church. So that's a lot like us. Yeah. All right? And so he speaks to them. So Revelation chapter 3, it's the last church we just spoke of. The letter to Laodicea. And I'll read the whole thing. ten verses there. Eight verses. Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the Amen. So Jesus is saying, uh, you know, I, I've got... This is my word. This is fine. To the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation, I know your works. You are neither hot nor you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spew, vomit, regurgitate you, heave you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I am in need of nothing. And you do not realize that you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. I, that's an admonition, don't you think? You know. I advise you to do this. Buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich. The real stuff, that you may be rich. Put on white clothes rather than your fancy dress. That's the clothes of righteousness. Put that on. Right, so that you may be dressed and not be shameful. An anointment to cover your eyes to see. 
As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous, repent. And he says this, listen to this, sometimes it's good to get to this, towards the end to see where is he going to in this? Where is he going to this? He says, see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, I will eat with him, and he will be with me. To the one who conquers, I'll give, give them the right to sit with me on the throne, just as I sit with my father on the throne. The very basis of everything Jesus is saying to us in Western Church is, I want a relationship with you. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And the problem has been apathy. The problem has been uh, uh, the Western getting, you know, thinking you're right, Western desire for riches. You're thinking, I've got it all under control. And I'm going to explain about a few things and then I'm going to talk quickly about uh, drawing near, opening the door to Jesus in your life. Who knows Jesus wants, has opened the door. Uh, he's knocking the door, he wants to come in. There. So first of all, it talks about being a hot or cold or spew out of your mouth, and just a historical little reference here. So this is the church, this is Laodicea, because you got your, your seven churches go all the way around. And then um, Laodicea was on a bit of a dirty, muddy creek. Laodicea was very, very wealthy, wealthy town. Interestingly, like the Western Church, it hadn't suffered much persecution. So where even over here, when there was persecution. Uh, in, in Colossae, there wasn't that sort of persecution in Laodicea. And so the church had become very wealthy and very relaxed and very comfortable. And so they, the, in that, they had developed an apathy to, to the gospel. All right? And so they, uh, in, in Colossae, which is up near the snow-capped mountains, they had beautiful, cold, fresh water there. And then in Herapolis, they had hot springs, uh, thermal springs, and Laodicea just had this dirty little creek. And so they, they created, uh, the Romans created aqueducts from those two places. And, and, but by the time it got to them, the cold water was yucky, warm and mineralized. And, and the hot water was cold and it was really good for nothing. All right? And it's a picture really of much of our, our efforts to find life-giving water really from our own efforts. Yeah. All right? And 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 and, the, and the, he said it's it's you're like that, yeah. okay? You're neither full on for me or you're neither so much against me that you just don't care. You really and who knows? I did hear a a, a quote somewhere. Lukewarm Christian is the most pathetic of all Christians. They've got enough in the world from them to really not hear from God, but enough of God for them to not be happy. He's talking to lukewarm Christians. And Jesus is saying, the lukewarm Christians are the ones I can't reach. All right? They've stopped really distinction. They've stopped repenting. They've stopped being challenged by the Holy Spirit. If you want to move in, guys, you move in, don't All right? So, that's the church in Laodicea. And really, that's the Western church. We've become so comfortable. We're looking at taking a... Uh, we're looking at taking a... a, a um, a missions trip, maybe take some of the youth and some of the young adults. And I phoned a friend in Fiji, I said, just find a little, poor little town. And I said, to be honest with you, it's more about our young adults and more about our youth because I want them to go and see people who have got nothing but love the Lord and walk in faith. 
Yeah, we'll eat something else. Alright? Umbola. Yeah. And, and and because, you know, who knows that they love God. Alright? Praise God. So there's apathy and then there's carnal mind carnal minded and self self-reliance. Alright? They basically said, I've got everything I need. The church thrives under persecution. Because you have to make your stand. First is pure persecution. You have to make your stand. Alright? He says, buy from me gold that has been refined, the real thing. He says, dress yourself in clothes that are, 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 are white. Dress yourself in my gift of righteousness. And then he says, take the salve, because they're famous for a salve that they rubbed on their eyes, which is supposed to heal their eyes, so that you can see what's really happening. And that is us. That is us. And we're feeling very uncomfortable because the winds of persecution are, are swinging against us. All right? So we need to we need to understand that in many ways we've been apathetic. Yeah. How much do we give to missions? How much do we give for the gospel to get out there? You know, do, you, do we have the same excitement that Pastor Chloe had this morning about getting into the university? Who's going to give us some money to run the Alpha? Who's going to give money to missions? Who's going to go? We're called to go. Where's this missionary zeal? We're our workplace. Who's praying for their workplace? Yeah. We become apathetic, and and God, we can't. Jesus can't move into our lives. And He said, "I'll behold the Western Church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You let me in, I'll come in." I find it interesting uh, in um, Deuteronomy seventeen. Deuteronomy seventeen. There's a scripture about. Um, I've written it down. I did a blog on it during the week. By the way, if you see one of my blogs on Facebook, like, comment, share. Can everyone say that? Like, comment, share. Because right? we've got 900 people. It gets it out there in the community. Right? I want to have one post that's got, got more likes than... I don't worry about it. <laughs> there are people here that got lots of posts. Okay, so where was I? Yes, so the kings, it says in... It, it says to the kings... Um, he said, when you're sitting in your Deuteronomy 17, 18 and 19, when the king sits on his throne, now throne is authority, God said to the king, get the scriptures and you are to write the scriptures out in the presence of priests and you're to carry that scripture with you everywhere. I find it interesting, were there not scribes? Were there not scribes? There were scribes. And yet it was so important for the king to actually handwrite it and, and for the Levitical priest to, to be there to make sure that he didn't just put some of his own doctrine. And by the way, you put your tithe in and then you give a further 5% to the king. No, it had to be accurate and true. And it was so important. And we need to treasure the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures I have hid the word of God in my heart. Yes. And he says to the kings, and you do that so that you can obey it, so you can prosper. <laughs> we, we all need a significant part of our life to be personal devotions with us and God. Who's heard of Jesus? Was he not the son of God? Was he not God in the flesh? And yet the scriptures say a number of times, Get it. Jesus. Scripture says a number of times, 
lay hands on him suddenly. Scripture says a number of times, especially in Luke, says in Mark, he says, and he deliberately withdrew himself from the crowd, right? And he went aside. Now, what was he doing? Because he is God. Was he just hanging with himself? All right? He was spending time with his father. Who knows if Jesus need to, and, 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 and Bob, one verse says, as was his habit. Who knows if Jesus was to spend time with his father, we need to spend time with the Bible, reading, meditating on it. Each of us. If Jesus needed to, we need to. We need to. Alright? And when they tempted him, when, when Satan tempted him and he said this in Matthew chapter 4, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's who remembers that. This is this is Jesus saying, I need God's word. I need it to survive today. I need it. I need it. And it's in reference to Deuteronomy, I think Deuteronomy chapter 8, where they're out in the oh my Exodus, Exodus 8, sorry. Where um, where the, it talked about no, it's Deuteronomy, I think Deuteronomy talking about the manna that was fed to them, and that manna needed to be fresh every day. Okay, and it's and it's re- alluding to the Word of God being that manna from heaven. Who knows? You cannot live on one meal a week. You can't get say to me, I oh, listen. I read this a year ago. I don't need to read it now. You don't go to a restaurant, order a steak, and say, well, "I'm sorry, I had a steak a year ago. I don't never need to have a steak." It's food. The Word of God is food to us. And in us, the Bible tells us a number of things that it does. One, it's a seed. This was actually getting to the body of the sermon. One is a seed. You know the parable, so it's a seed. Who knows that a seed is an investment in your future life? Yes. The Bible says the Word of God is a seed. That means it gets into you, and it mightn't harvest today. It mightn't harvest tomorrow. But give it a month, give it a week, give it a year, you'll reap the harvest from the Word of God that was in you. Secondly, it gives the Holy Spirit something to quicken. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and he'll remind you what I've said. If you haven't got the Holy Spirit within you, he can't remind you. Remind you means you've read it or you've heard it or you understand it. You've had some illumination. The Holy Spirit will will guide you, will remind that scripture to you at the proper time. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit leads by scriptures. He leads by scriptures and any revelation, any prophetic word, anything that you have has to be within the confines of your faith. Romans 12, 6, it says the prophet prophesies according to his faith. If you get a word for your life, it it will be in the confines of your faith. God's not going to ask you to do things that you do not believe in from the scripture. Hello? He'll form faith in you first and then ask you to act on that faith. Every day we need that now. And we're going to be strong on that machine. Get yourself a Bible. Find yourself some time. It's good enough for Jesus. Say this with me. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. If he didn't consider himself, you don't need to keep saying that. If he didn't consider himself spiritually sufficient to go through a day without spending time with his Heavenly Father, singing psalms, reciting scriptures, then I 
Who are we? Man shall not live on bread alone. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, he said, behold, have I got a... Thank you, he said. He said, I stand at the door and knock. We're not to be that church. We're a prosperous church, but we're not to be that church which relies on our own self. We rely on him, his provision daily, his daily bread. And he said he'll come and dine with us. How good is that? To have Jesus say, you come and dine with us. Paul said, it was revealed to me that on the night that Jesus died, he took bread. He broke bread. And um, there's something spiritual about eating. Have you ever noticed that? You have a meal with someone. There's just something. It's, it's fellowship. Right? He says, he took bread and he broke it. He says, whenever you come together, do this in remembrance of me. In Revelation, he said, I stand at your door and I stand at the drugs of life now and I'm knocking. I want to be part of your life today. Oh, I don't want you to be relying on this. I don't want you to be stressed out with what's happening with this whole COVID thing and that, you know, follow your conscience, follow my word. I want to be with you. All right. I want to have fellowship with you. Right, he said, this is my body. It is broken for you. So that the consequences of our sin were put on his, on him. Amen. Take it. He said, eat it. So we take it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. The book of Hebrews says, he went once and for all before the Father with his own blood to create a new covenant for us. And this new covenant is we're clean before the Lord. We have fellowship with him. Alright? The sins, even the ones who did today, yesterday, they're under the blood. They are under the blood. Now, that's the new terms of our agreement. So they said, remember that. Take it and eat and drink. God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, we thank you that it's life and health to us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your spirit. In us, you've given us your word. Uh, we thank you for the strength to have the courage of our convictions, but not expect others to have the courage of our convictions. To walk in love, not to walk in judgment leave the best in people but to follow our conscience as you lead us according to your word and Father we thank you Lord your word says in Revelation that you're with us you're in our midst and today Lord we open the doors of our heart in all humility to you to bring love to bring correction to bring mercy and grace into our life this week as we walk in partnership with you in Jesus name Lord, believe us said Amen. Thanks, God.